Well, God bless you. Welcome this morning. Go ahead and uh, pull your bulletin or your flyer out if you have it. I am uh, starting a new series today called uh, Keep the Change. And um, there's a couple things I wrote down this morning. Today I want to talk about the uh, Me Too movement. I remember a couple years ago about a young girl in a Mormon family had a cult leader come and take her away for a time. Several years ago, there were three young girls that were caged by this terrible individual and taken and assaulted. More recently, we are familiar with Harvey Weinstein, a film producer, Leslie Moonves, a, a TV executive. Bill Cosby has been in the news quite a bit. We think of the uh, Kavanaugh hearings. And over the past uh, couple of years, the Me Too movement has become uh, very involved. Even the uh, Pink movement, there was uh, one of the female leaders of that movement that uh, recently was uh, accused of different assaults as well. And so I, I want to talk about a very sensitive subject. The reality is I put this message together several years ago and I filed it away and just uh, you know, really haven't wanted to talk about this subject, but I believe it's very important and a vital subject. So I'd like to introduce our subject this way. The way I deal with our uh, uh, children's Sunday school teachers and uh, our youth workers and we have a child safety session every year and we talk about this issue and uh, what I say is we are going to talk about some sensitive issues and the reality is there may be some things in your past, a loved one's past, uh, that really brings up some uh, difficult emotions. So I want to pray first of all and just ask that God would speak to our hearts, that he would guide us. And that he would provide the comfort. You see, Jesus is our comforter. And we sang about that comfort today. And though we're going to talk about a difficult subject, we have an incredible God that's there to comfort us and to minister to us. And that's my desire today. And so let's uh, go in prayer and ask for God's uh, guidance here. Dear Father, today we talk about a subject that impacts at least one-third of ladies and somewhere between 3 and 20% of males. So God, this is a reality. This is a subject that throughout history is normally ignored. But God, I believe in your sovereignty. You have allowed it to come to the forefront that people could discuss this difficult subject and that the truth would set us free. Lord, I ask for your leadership now and I pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel 13. And I want to read a story that probably many of us are not familiar with, but a number of years ago, as I was studying this subject of, of sexual assault, I, I found this passage and it really helped me to understand some things. 
um, because this issue has come very close to home in my own life. As a pastor, I've dealt with it many times in people's lives. And uh, when we've talked about it with our teachers over the years, you know, it's been a difficult subject, but often it's been that statement that uh, uh, many times been said, you know, I always kind of kept it away in a corner, but now that it was brought to a forefront, I realized I had to deal with it, and dealing with it, it helped me uh, to be able to overcome it. And so we want to talk about being overcomers today, and I also want to say, uh, though the last two weeks we've been hearing about the Supreme Court issue, and the reality is uh, none of us were at that event 35 years ago, and so this message is not uh, meant for either side of the aisle or either side of the uh, issue because I was not present 35 years ago. And uh, I shared with my wife the other day, I kind of believe both of the parties involved, which is an impossibility. But uh, I, my, don't take my message as trying to take a certain political issue here, but I do want to deal with the reality of this. And I, I want to go ahead and read this story, and I know I didn't really prepare you for this, uh, Jeremy, but we're just going to go through this story and so just uh, go ahead and go through the slides and I'm going to start in 2 Samuel 13 in verse 1 and I want you to see this story and it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar and Amnon the son of David loved her and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar for she was a virgin and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I left Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come, and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house, and dress him meat. <clears throat> so Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake his cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him. But he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out, every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into my chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her, and he lay with her. The reality is, the subject 
of rape is in the Bible, and today we're going to talk about this difficult subject. How it affects people, and I originally titled this message Stolen Innocence. I, because of uh, over the last couple of years, I just changed it to call it Me Too. But this pain hurts so intensely. It impacts <clears throat> so uh, immensely that I think it's important for us to see what does God have to say about it. And in reality, what we're going to look at is some wrong responses to this issue of sexual assault. You see, in John 8, verse 32, the Bible says this, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It will set you free. The sad fact is that God created sexuality. Man has tried to destroy it. Man has tried to, in his uh, defilement of all good things, has tried to bring in a negative aspect. But from the beginning, when God created mankind and he created human sexuality, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That was the first marriage of Adam and Eve. God designed marriage. He designed it for one man and for one woman, for them to come together for life. And then he said this, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. There was no shame in sexuality. They were naked. They, were, they came together in this beautiful relationship because of marriage that they had come together. And God had designed all this, this beautiful relationship, this intensity that God designed everything in their physical body, their emotional beings, and in their spiritualness as well. And God was bringing them together, and there was no shame. This was God's design. It was one more aspect of bringing them together into this complete oneness but mankind because of his own free will because of mankind's poor choices has brought in a lot of pain in this issue i remember a couple years ago watching a old western it was a clint eastwood movie and clint eastwood came up to this girl and he made an advance on her and she pushed him away and said no and then he grabs her and starts kissing her. And in the intensity, she just falls in love with Clint Eastwood. And then they're passionate toward each other. And I thought, the reality, how terrible. And, and no means no, doesn't it? I remember watching another Western not too long ago. A lady was cooking food for all these men that had been out fighting. And one of the guys' advice to the lady said, when guys come in and they pat you on your rear end, don't worry about it. Just ignore it because they deserve it. How many times have you seen a movie where no really didn't mean no? Or if you have gotten caught up with pornography, how often the unrealistic ideas of sexuality come about. Even when I was a teenager, a popular show, General Hospital, whether that's on anymore, I don't know, but there was a couple called Luke and Laura. If you're like my age, maybe you remember Luke and Laura. And he, Luke rapes Laura, and then in the story she falls in love with him afterward. The idea in, in Hollywood is so wrong. Uh, the idea of pornography and what it brings forth 
to uh, young people and their young minds is so wrong. But God designed sexuality to be very beautiful. It was his plan. He designed all these aspects. Then mankind comes in and causes trouble. And my admonition to you is how will we as Christians respond? You see, Christianity has always raised the value of individuals. It has always been adamant in raising the value of women and marriage and family. And though the world defines love as passion and desire and that which is erotic, God has a different definition. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the Bible says this, Charity, or love, suffers long, it is patient. And is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not selfish. You see, true love is patient. Though we watch a, a movie, or I shouldn't say we watch a movie, hopefully we haven't watched a movie, Fifty Shades of Grey, that says that sex is, it just has to be uh, there. That passion is driving us and we can't say no. God said love is patient. It's going to wait. It's not about what I get out of this, but love is selfless. It seeks not her own. Even in the movement of the equal sign of, of gay marriage, of trying to redefine what marriage is. The issues are about lust and not love. You see, God designed marriage. God designed sexuality. And God wanted sexuality between a husband and wife after they're married. And today we see this story of Amnon. Amnon in his passion for his own family member comes up with a way he eventually grooms her and is able to figure out how he can manipulate the situ situation and manipulate her so he can get her in private and he rapes this beautiful girl Tamar you see biblical love is not so much the 50 shades of gray as it is the end of the notebook when this husband is patiently caring for his wife while she's going through difficulties. It's not about what we get out of the relationship, it's what we pour into the relationship. So Tamar, this beautiful woman, and we see in verse 2 that, that Amnon is vexed sick. He's, he's sick because his lust is so, trying, so much trying to figure out how he can get to this individual. And so he comes to his father, David, and said, David, would you have my family member, Tamar, come and just cook me a meal? She comes in, as we'll see in a little bit, she's, she's very innocent. She's dressed uh, as uh, the, the virgin princesses would have dressed. She comes on the scene just wanting to be of help. You see, David trusted Amnon. This was a trusted place. 
When we think of sexual assault, we think of the man hiding out behind a tree in a playground with a, a, a long trench coat. But the majority of the time, it's somebody that's trusted. It's a friend, it's a family member, it's somebody that we know. It's not the person we look at and say, wow, they look like a molester. No, it's that person that says, we trust that individual. It's a teacher, it's a coach, it's a Sunday school teacher, it's a choir member. It could be all kind of individuals. This was a person they knew in a place that was safe. And Tamar comes into this place after he's manipulated the situation and isolated her because he's a predator. Just as a predator seeks after a weak animal, she now feels powerless physically and emotionally. And at the same time, she's made to feel like the victim. That she was at fault. That she was guilty. Verse 11 says this, and when she had brought the food to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, sister. And she said, no, my brother, do not force me for this thing ought not to be done. Don't do this folly. This evil is what that word folly means, this wickedness. And her innocence was stolen. She grew up before she needed to. She faced shame, fear, guilt. She felt dirty. Uh, people start blaming themselves. They say things like, well, what if I hadn't have gone there? Maybe I was at fault. What did I do wrong in this situation? That's exactly what Amnon does. He violates her. He makes her feel disgraced. Tamar did absolutely nothing wrong. But she still feels guilty. She feels dirty. I went back to my notes from several years ago and read seven things that an individual feels after an assault. Number one is anger, this intense anger. Number two is that they feel dirty. Number three is that they feel hopeless. Four, they feel guilty. The if-onlys, what if I'd have done this? It, what if I had have not gone there? I can think of a friend of mine that disobeyed her parents and went out to a party after her parents said no, and she was assaulted at that party. What if I'd have just listened to my parents? What if I hadn't have gone out that night? What if I'd have come home a little bit earlier? Or all the what-ifs that we could say. Oh, I didn't finish reading them, did I? Number five is loneliness. Six is fear. And then number seven is grief. All of these losses that are experienced because of this violation. Look at verse 13. She says, and I whither shall I cause my shame to go? Now she's dealing with shame. She has this shame, not because she did anything wrong, but because of what he had done wrong. And she has this wrong feeling. And she even says, speak to the king, because he will not withhold me from thee. Don't do this to me. 
just asked the king to marry me. Whether this was a legitimate request or she was just trying to bide some time so she could get away and this wouldn't happen, I'm not sure. She did all that she could. She did all that she knew. But the event still took place because he was stronger than her. And he forced her. He violates her. She is a victim. This family member controlling the situation because of emotional and physical force. How often has a girl on a college campus had too much to drink and a guy takes advantage of her? Or a guy takes a girl out on a date and he thinks because he spent some money and time on her that she owes him something. Or too often, society, when these events take place, basically there's a re-victimization that occurs. We tell our family and they don't believe us. We get the police involved and there's a lack of justice so often. We speak to a friend and they minimize it. They say, well, at least this didn't happen or at least it was only uh, once or, you know, it's not that big a deal. It happens to so many of us. And then the perpetrator is still seen at school, at work, at family, or at church. And what happens next in verse 15? And Amnon hated her exceedingly. Because of his incredible guilt, knowing that he did wrong, and still instead of dealing with it himself, he tries to put the guilt upon her. His hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he loved her. And he said, arise, be gone. And notice her statement in verse 16. She said to him, there's no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou did unto me. But he would not hearken. And then he calls his servant that ministered to him and he said, put now this woman out from me. And bolt the door. If you look at the King James Version, the word woman's in italics. He didn't even call her a woman. He basically just said, get this thing out. Throw her out. He viewed her as nothing. And I want you to see a couple responses that took place. First, I want you to see Tamar's response in verse 19. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. You see, what would happen is that the princesses were able to dress in beautiful clothing. The virgin girls lived in a certain place. They were uh, being held and preserved. They were being protected. And they were just able to live in innocence. They dressed in this beautiful clothing. But now she looks at her clothing. This clothing that she had had on. And she chooses to tear those clothes up. Then his servant brought her out and he bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her. And laid her hands on her head and went out crying. Can you see the emotions can you see the burden that's now upon her? She walks into the room and leaves a very different individual because of these events. Tamar is humiliated, and we see it in the way that she had changed her dress. 
You see, some people dress and outwardly look perfect. Because of the events that had taken place in their life, they have to cover up so much they just look perfect. I know of a, a, a friend of mine that had been abused so many times, and he put on this per perfection mask. Everything was perfect. He was the top of his class. He became a, a, a pastor and a, a Christian professor and, until his life just fell apart because you just kept pressing it down and pressing it down. And I tell my kids, if you keep pressing it down and pressing it down, you're going to get depressed. If you just keep ignoring it, pretend it's not there, it's not going to fix it. It just continues to fester. We can put on perfect clothing or we can dress sloppy like we have no value, nothing really matters or I don't care. Or we can put on skimpy clothing or we can dress in, in, in colorful and stylish clothing pretending that it's all about what's outward while we're hurting on the inside. Jeremy puts my background slides together and this morning after he had finalized all that, he sent me a note and he said, listen to this song by King and Country called God Only Knows. I listened to it this morning, dealing with sexual assault. Great video. I hope you'll listen to it. God and Country, uh, God Only Knows. A great video. Tamar is humiliated. She tears her clothes, puts ashes upon her face, a sign of mourning for the Jews, and she goes out crying. That's all understandable. And when she comes in, her brother Absalom has some responses as well. I understand these responses as kind of the way I respond to things, and I want us to see it in verse 20, though they're not correct. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? He figured out something happened. He knew something to a, a great level had taken place. Did he do something to you? Which is not a bad question. But I want you to see the next response he has. But hold now thy peace. Hold your peace. Do you know what he said? Don't tell anyone. Keep it a secret. We have a family name to protect around here. Hold your peace. We can't tell people what's going on in our family. I mean, we're a royal family. If people find out about our family, what is going to happen? Hold your peace. This could hurt the family name. This is a family secret, and we don't share family secrets. Maybe they didn't mean it. If they apologize, just get over it. Or maybe he was saying, well, just stop crying. Repress your feelings. It's not that big of a deal. Just get over it. Hold your peace, my sister. Regard it not. Just forget it ever happened. Can't you just get over it? Forgive and forget. They said they were sorry. Just put on a mask and smile through it. Just minimize it. It's not that bad. It could have been worse. It was a long time ago. It only happened once. It happens all the time. At least it wasn't. And the Bible says that she went out desolate. Probably meaning that she never got married and never had children. She withdrew. She was alone. Her life was dramatically changed. 
And her advice was, what did he say? Just forget about it. See, the reality is, who can we talk to in these situations? She could have went to King David, but notice verse 21, when King David found out about it, it says, he was very wroth. Well, that's good, isn't it? Anger is not a problem. Anger is a human emotion that God gave to us. There's nothing wrong with it. We should be angry at things, should we not? But the reality is that's the only thing that happened. He got angry and David did nothing. Maybe David did nothing because of what he had done to Bathsheba. He was guilty of enough sexual crimes on his own. How could he deal with it himself? David was angry, but because he was a poor disciplinarian, maybe the shock, he just, I, I don't know what else to do. Maybe you've gone through something and you told a family member and they did absolutely nothing. Or they said, as uh, Absalom said here, just forget about it. Forget that it ever took place. Regard it not. Hold your peace. And for years you have remained desolate. I know that people say, well, if that ever happened to my child, I'll tell you what would happen. I'd end up in jail because I would kill him. Well, that's it, really what Absalom ended up doing. And that's not the biblical answer, by the way. Absalom eventually got his brother Amnon, it was two years later, in a private area and he killed him. But because he killed him, he had to leave town for over seven years, had to be away from his family. You see, that's not the right answer. He responded all wrong. He said, hey, don't say anything, regard it not. Then he goes and he kills this individual. Revenge is not the answer. But let me share with you what I do believe is the answer. The first thing is this. If I have gone through some kind of abuse, it could be physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. It could have uh, sexual abuse in the physical realm or something that you should never have seen. It could fall in many different capacities, but it's still abuse. The first thing I really want to encourage you to do is to share it. I think the biggest positive of the Me Too movement is that people have become comfortable sharing it. John 8, 32 says, the truth shall set you free. And if you want to be made free, you've got to step, stop hiding it and pressing it down and pretending it never existed and not telling anyone. Find a safe person that you can talk with. My wife just leaned over before the message and said, make sure they know they can come and talk to us. We've gone through enough in our lives that we're here to talk to them. Hey, get involved if you're a lady in a ladies group and find somebody that you can talk to. I tell you, 
sign up and go to the ladies' retreat this coming weekend. And there, find somebody that you can pour your heart out to. Get with a family member. It's not going to be like Absalom or David. And talk to them. Share it. Or maybe you're a, a man you've dealt with this. Find a guy that you can trust and talk with him. First of all, share it. Second, fight for justice. I believe this is a part of the healing process. Absalom wanted justice, but he sought the justice instead of dealing with it with the government. Luke 17.2 says this, It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Do you understand what's being said there? Before a little child is offended, is harmed, you should go and take a millstone. What was a millstone? A stone at the mill, this big rock. Something that would be larger than me. Really big rock. And it would be gone around. The uh, horse or the, the uh, bull would be taking around and smashing out the wheat to make the flour. That was a millstone. That's this big stone. And Jesus is saying something very strong. If you have a thought of hurting a child, I would rather you put that millstone on your neck and you go to the depth of the sea than that you hurt a child. Someone said all sin is sin, and that is correct, but not all sin has the same consequences. Different sins have different consequences, and sexual sins have gross consequences, and Jesus is pretty strong here. Fight for justice. We'll look at forgiveness in a second. And I believe if they ask for forgiveness... And if they repent and they were truly sorry, that though it may mean we forgive, it doesn't mean we don't fight for justice. Consequences should still go forth. I want you to understand that. Forgiveness is not saying, I'm not going to take it to court, I'm not going to deal with it. Justice should prevail. Share it. Fight for justice. Make sure consequences are being dealt with. Don't be like David. Do something. Take care of it. And then third, forgive. Ephesians 4.26 says this, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. There's nothing wrong with anger. The reality is, until you can, can really understand the offense that has taken place, you cannot properly forgive. Anger comes before the forgiveness is going to come. We should be angry. If we have been violated, a loved one's been violated, a friend has been violated, there should be anger. But we can't hold on to that anger. Counselors know that if we don't forgive, that that individual is still controlling us, and we must forgive. We've got to set it aside. doesn't mean consequences don't come about. They should. But we can't hold on to it to where that anger turns into wrath. And Ephesians 4.32 says this, 
Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Why do we forgive? For one reason, because God has forgiven us. Tamar is assaulted. She tears her clothes, puts ashes on her face, and goes out crying and lives in desolation. She talks to her brother. Regard it not. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Hold it in. It's a family issue. We're not going to bring it about. King David even finds out. He's angry, but he does nothing. As a church, as far as I know, there's never been an accusation or an issue that's ever happened within our church. We have had those protections for 26 years, and uh, that's why we have the sign-in policies. That's why we say don't live, leave your, your kids on the playground. I know it, we want a safe environment, but it's still a public environment. We've got to be uh, careful around here. But for 26 years, as far as I know, there's never been an issue uh, within our church or church functions. But the reality is there have been enough perversions and ungodly people that have come into our church and whether it be uh, the family uh, members or friends or babysitting situations, you know, be careful having your daughter go to a babysitting job because of things that can happen. Don't allow teenage boys, James Dobson said this years ago, don't allow teenage boys to babysit. You see, the reality, any Christian has the capacity to do the most evil as well. And we've got to be protecting if you saw on the news just a couple days ago, and I'm going to finish with this story, a lady confronts one of the senators, and she shares with him that she had been assaulted and what she felt needed to take place in this situation. She's on national television. She realizes she's got to call her dad because she's never shared it with anybody. Her dad is going to watch the news and see her talking about a sexual assault that she had gone through. She had to call her dad, and she said, Dad, you're going to see something on the news and I just want to prepare you she and here's she said one of the reasons I never told my dad is because I knew he was gonna feel bad and his note back was I'm sorry I couldn't protect you and I think that's a sweet statement but the reality is it was about himself still I'm sorry that I and friends when we deal with this situation it's not about us it needs to be about them. Let's not diminish it. Let's not ignore it. But let's accept and take the reality. Hey, about 4% of the times when a sexual assault is stated, it's not true. Let, it, it, it could be 2%. That means 96 to 98% of the times when somebody comes and says, I have been assaulted, it is to be believed. 
And friends, we as a church are here to minister to hurting people. This issue hurts me and my family. It hurts our church. It hurts our community. And we need to be an agent that says God is our comfort. And he is the one that provides the answer. And the answers are to share it. Seek justice. And to forgive. Let's pray. Your Father, I take this truth before you now. Lord, you know the difficulty that I have had in sharing it, and how much more for your people to hear it. It saddens my heart that we would have to discuss this issue, this issue that you made beautiful. Satan, the world, and the flesh has sought to destroy. And I pray that Choice Baptist Church would be a place that honors sexuality, that sees it as you see it, something beautiful and without shame within marriage, and something to be avoided outside of marriage. God, I pray that you would strengthen marriages here. I pray that you would strengthen families. Lord, most of all, I pray for individuals this morning. Every individual here, whether it be through ourselves or someone that we know, is impacted. And how this impacts families and communities, our country and this world. Lord, help us to be a place that honors and values people and that we listen. That we be slow to speak and quick to hear. May we learn to deal with these issues correctly and biblically. Lord, I pray that most of all there be some people here that have <clears throat> pushed some things down for a long time would allow the truth to set them free today. That they could just simply say to someone, me too. May you speak. With our heads bowed, why don't you just stand? If you want to come and pray, why don't you do that? Pray for yourself. Maybe you have a friend you want to go and pray with this morning. There have been some strong individuals in this church that have stood up and said, hey, this happened to me. <clears throat> this happened to me. And I want to be transparent. I tell you what a wonderful church family we have where people are 
secure enough to share that? Would you share it today? Would you deal with it? Maybe justice needs to take place. We're here to help you, friend. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Would you step out your cabin? Just keep your heads bowed and pray as we sing. And when you're ready, you join us in song.